This is CX of M Radio, the voice of customer experience professionals. Welcome to another episode of All Things Considered CX. I'm your host, Bob Asman, the founder of Innovative CX Solutions, a past chairperson of the CXPA, and a practitioner with many years of transforming global operations and designing better customer experiences. Together with our guests and listeners, we seek to discuss, challenge, and create new understanding about how to inspire better experiences in response to ever-changing customer expectations. Hello, and welcome to another episode of All Things Considered CX. I'm your host, Bob Asman, and welcome to this episode. I think it's going to be a really interesting episode as we talk to our guest, Brian Horn. Brian, please uh, introduce yourself to our listeners. Hi, good morning or good afternoon, wherever you are. And thank you so much, Bob. I really appreciate the opportunity to join you. Um, My name is Brian Horn. I am a CX uh, experience uh, transformation uh, expert. I am the author of two international best-selling books. I host my own podcast called White Gloves, Red Carpets, the definitive customer experience podcast. And uh, it's easy to say that customer experience improvement is in my DNA. It's what I love to do. It's what I love to talk about. It's what I've spent a career uh, focusing on. And it's what I'm passionate about. I absolutely love changing processes and improving upon um, experience processes so that both employees and customers have the very best experiences when interacting with a brand. I currently live in Salt Lake City, Utah, but I'm originally from Nashville, Tennessee, and uh, I am just really excited to be here. So thank you so much for having me on. Uh, You bet, Brian. We love turning the tables on podcasters. So uh, (laughs) it's uh, it's fun to have a podcaster be a guest uh, with us from time to time. So uh, Brian, tell us a little bit about your career path. How, How did you when you talk about it's in your DNA, how did you get it in your DNA? How did you uh, navigate your way through this to arrive where you are today? We start off every podcast with this question because I find it always very intriguing about the backgrounds of our guests. Absolutely. Well, I think you can say um, my my father had a lot to do with my love of CX. Uh, my dad was a successful um, uh, business professional within the uh, automotive industry. And he really laid the foundations from, uh, for me at an early age to be respectful of the power a customer has. That they have this amazing thing called choice and they can exercise that choice anywhere. And it was really his example that laid the, the groundwork for me. And it's something I've um, applied whether I was working at 16 years old at McDonald's to being a, you know, a branch manager for a large uh, Western bank, those values of hard work, of integrity, of treating people right, doing the right thing for the sake of doing the right thing is what has really guided me. But it's what, it, it's what has happened, I guess, in the last 10 to 15 years is really, um, I guess, shaped me and has molded me. 
I, uh, even though I've worked, you know, traditional, you know, corporate jobs, customer experience has always been at the heart of what I've believed. I, I believe that you have to have great customer service in order for your business to survive. It's no longer uh, the convenience economy like we had, you know, 20 years ago where it was, where could you get something the fastest and the cheapest? It was that you know that was the that was the defi- the definitive factor. It wasn't so much the the service you got with it. That was just kind of a secondary concern. And that business model, I think, worked for a while, but it's definitely not the case anymore, um, except with a very few uh, instances of that. So you have to have customer service to survive. You have to have customer experience in order to be a thriving and successful business. And so I've applied that, those lessons that my dad taught me, especially about the power of choice, primarily into my career as a retail branch manager of, uh, in the financial industry, because, you know, customers have choices of where they can get their debit cards and their credit cards and their financial products. They have a lot of choices. I wanted to make sure that they were choosing my institution above others. And that was going to be through the experience they received. And so I began really applying myself. I began learning a lot more tools and tricks. I attended the Disney Institute, the Ritz-Carlton Institute, the Zappos School of Wow, and I took their lessons and applied them into the banking industry and had a lot of success. Um, it all kind of came to a, to a halt when my bank did a large layoff and my position was one of the ones eliminated. And I became a director of finance in the auto industry, which I absolutely hated with a passion. It was not the highlight of my career, but it taught me a lot especially about how to treat people. And so I just began writing down my experiences more as like a personal journal of things that I would never ever do if I was in that position as a, as a manager or things I would never do to a customer or things I would never say to an employee. And I began writing them down and I thought, why not just put it into a book? And so I did and it became very successful. And then I took some more thoughts and put them into a second book and they, both became international bestsellers. So in short, that's kind of how it came full circle for me. And it's, it's, it's been really fun and it's been really exciting to dive into this world of CX, both on a personal and a professional uh, level. So it's, it's been really fun. Right. I, I love the way you started out your discussion about your career journey uh, with what your father uh, taught you and instilled in you. We hear that a lot that, um, you know, it might have originated in uh, a family business. It might have originated with uh, parental guidance or things that the parents had done. Uh, and so I think that's really cool. Uh, we, we oftentimes, you know, hear about children becoming doctors because their parents were doctors or uh, attorneys, et cetera. And it's, and it's cool to hear the CX profession is generating that type of generational knowledge as well. So appreciate you highlighting that in your opening comments about your career path. And uh, isn't it isn't it always interesting how sometimes adversity can open a door for us in terms of your experiences um, as director of finance and then um, being able to write the books that you did? Oh, absolutely. I mean, there was other there was other things that really motivated me to write the book, um, but yeah, it, it was all through adversity, through very dark times that that motivated me. I 
One of, one of the quotes that guides me through a lot is uh, a quote by Conan O'Brien, actually, of all people, uh, who in 2011 was asked to give the uh, honorary commencement address at Dartmouth University because he received an honorary doctorate there. And you can look at his speech on YouTube. It's very funny. It's, you know, very Conan O'Brien. But he gets very serious in the talk, and he's talking about how he spent 25 years rising to become the host of The Tonight Show. And within seven months, it was just gone, and he lost everything. And his, he was talking about his perceptions of failure and success. And I really love a quote that he said. He said, there's nothing greater in life than realizing your greatest fear. And that realization can sometimes become a, a catalyst for profound reinvention. And I really like that. Um, I really like that idea of being a catalyst for profound reinvention of taking something really horrible and turning into something amazing. So that's, that's another kind of inspirational quote or idea that I, I try to live my life by. And, and it's a great one. Uh, I'm going to have to definitely listen uh, to his commencement speech uh, now that I hear that quote and you put it in that context. So Brian, let's kind of get to the core of why we're coming together in this podcast today. What exactly from your perspective is the, is the state of customer service as we see it? <laughs> well, um, as I have written in my second book, um, customer service sucks. And we now need be to be honest, make... Brian, tell us exactly what you think, right? <laughs> <laughs> right. No, it really does suck. Um, it is, it is broken. It is uh, terrible. And I know I'm, I think I'd be safe to say I'm not the only one on the planet who thinks this way. Um, <laughs> it really, it really does suck. And as my book says, um, my, my second book was called get your stuff and get out why customer service sucks and how we can make it great again. Somebody asked me, where did I get that title? Um, <clears throat> and I was on a podcast in the United Kingdom and, uh, one of the, uh, hosts said, you know, when I first looked at your book, I thought it was a, I thought it was a book about relationships and breaking up with somebody. And I said, well, it kind of is, but it's about breaking up with bad companies and, and you know, going on to someone else. But the, the inspiration for it came with this idea that so many people feel like this is the mantra of business now. When you walk into a business or you interact with a business, it's almost like they're saying, would you just get your stuff and get out? Don't bother us, but certainly pay us certainly give us money, certainly spend your hard earned dollars with us, but just get your stuff and get out and help us to do the least amount of work so that we can just play on our phones and, and just provide mediocre yet at best service, but still get paid for it. And so that's where the inspiration came was this idea, because I know I feel like that when I go to the big box stores or the, uh, the, the Walmarts of the world or other places, it's just get your stuff and get out. We don't want you here. I mean, we certainly want your money here, <laughs> mm -hmm. but we don't want you here. 
And so that's what really motivated me to write this second one was to highlight these instances of really horrible service and how you can turn those around. And here's, instead of telling, I, there's so many great customer service books from a lot of uh, very accomplished authors, but they all tell you how to do things right. I decided to look at a different perspective. I wanna tell you all the things that they do wrong and maybe use that as a lesson of, here's what not to do. Mm -hmm. <laughs> if you want to, if you want your business to fail, if you want your business to go under, if you wanna have horrible social media reviews, then by all means do everything that I'm telling you in this book. Um, but if you don't want that, then do just the opposite. And so it was a, a different approach to some of the other CX books. And I think that difference uh, really resonated with people. Mm -hmm. You know, I remember, Brian, a number of years ago being in a meeting and, and we were talking about customers and buying habits and so forth. And, and an executive at the table said, you know, if, if we didn't have those darn customers, we could get some work done around here. And of course, he was joking, but you could almost hear a pin drop in the room because the reality was, is that that was the cultural attitude uh, of that organization. So he kind of voiced it as a joke, but the reality was it was true and how the organization viewed customers, not as an asset, but as a liability. And that is so sad, Bob, that sadly, so many organizations have a set of quote core values or cultural values where the customer is not at the heart of those values and service is not at the heart of what their organization is about it's about making money or it's about the product or service itself that old business model like i was talking about at the very beginning in the convenience revolution of you know, a product or service that just does revolutionary things or revolutionizes somebody's life, they think that that aspect alone is what should be the defining factor, not the service that goes along with delivering the product, not the delivery system to bring about the product, but it's the product or service itself. And it's so sad that uh, like I said, many companies do not have service as even a core value and customers are not at the center of their business model. It really is sad and tragic and pathetic, to be quite honest. Well, it certainly seems like they say a lot of good words in their mission statements that hang on walls, right? But the reality is can be <laughs> can be quite different. Well, you've, you've, you've quoted my book. I'm, I wonder if you've take, taken a look at it because I say in the beginning that most companies' commitment to customer service, and I use that word commitment to customer service, I use that phrase in quotations, um, is about as important, or I said their commitment to customer service is, the importance of it is usually tacked up on the break room wall right next to the labor rights poster and are enforced with about the same amount of importance. Exactly. I love that. Um, uh, listeners, you're uh, tuning in to All Things Considered CX podcast today with Brian Horn, and we're talking about the uh, state of CX with Brian and, and his uh, uh, recent book. So, so Brian, along those lines, um, 
give us a, an example or two to kind of entice our readers if they haven't picked up your book yet to go out and buy it after our podcast. What what are some of the things the companies do wrong um, that you could share with our listeners as good examples of what's in your book? Uh, just one or two. <laughs> there's there's <laughs> well, so many. I'm uh, sure there are, right? <laughs> so I would I would say my my favorite horrible thing that companies do is they use death words and that is it makes me chuckle but it makes me cringe at the same time to think of these words these are the words that companies use that are guaranteed to not only shut down a transaction but are guaranteed to probably um, test the ultimate patience and limits of your customers um, words like that's against our policy words like I will do this as a one-time courtesy words like you must have misunderstood or the there must have been a misunderstanding on your part words like unfortunately words like I'm sorry you feel that way these are the phrases and wordage that is now commonplace vernacular within business and when I hear these things I think to myself and you wonder why we have Karens and you wonder why uh, what they're now calling shopper rage is at an all-time high you wonder why people are pissed off. You wonder why people are angry. You wonder why people are literally getting into fistfights. Not that I'm excusing or condoning it, but you wonder why, well, look, look at yourselves as a company and at your training and at your practices. So we talk a lot about death words in the book and, and why those are so offensive and why they just trigger something within people. Um, I talk, uh, I think my second favorite thing is getting rid of the dumb rules that govern your organization. Rules, I think, are fine to an extent, so long as they serve an actual purpose. But rules need to enhance or they need to define the scope of the customer relationship, not hinder it. And so what's a stupid rule, you might ask? Well, uh, let's take one of the notoriously horrible industries, and that's airlines. Doesn't matter what airline it is, and, and I know you're going to have listeners that are just going to say, oh, but my airline, like Delta or Southwest or whatever, just has the best customer service. I'm like, well, maybe you had a different experience. But uh, statistically and scientifically, it ranks up there in, in the top three of the worst, next to telecommunications and insurance uh, companies. Airlines have the worst service. And so a stupid rule is when uh, an airline strands you in a city, say due to a mechanical difficulty or um, maybe something else, uh, maybe it's in a weather delay, maybe it isn't something the airline doesn't have control over. But a stupid rule is to say that we are not responsible or let me back up. We do not have a compensation policy for these inconveniences. Well, that's a really stupid rule. That's really a kind of a inhumane rule, I would think, because there's no empathy. 
how would you like it, Mr. and Mrs. Gate Agent, if the roles were reversed? If you were stranded in a city where you didn't know a soul, where you were tired, you were dirty, you were hungry, and you've now just been told, hey, we're not gonna be able to get you out of here for another 24 hours, and we don't have a compensation policy. So you now need on top of all of that to go find your own hotel, your own food, your own rent-a-car. How would that make you feel? But see, the companies don't take that into consideration. They, they are only interested in performing CYA, which is covering your, <laughs> you fill in the blank. <laughs> right. So yeah, get 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 rid of the stupid rules that that uh, are just there to be there and that actually inhibit the customer experience. Don't use the death words that will um, just destroy a relationship. You know, within about ten seconds of using these words, or even quicker. And I guess the last one, the little one, I would uh, kind of tease people with is to talk about how customers are ready to fight this culture that we have created now. Um, and I don't mean just American culture, societal culture, but mainly in business culture where you almost, companies want you to come in swinging. They want you to be upset. They want you to be defensive. So that way they can control the situation a little bit more. They can have as much power and control over the customer experience as possible and not in a good way. They want you to be angry. And it's almost kind of like a narcissistic or a sadomasochist kind of belief that you like to inflict pain on people. And I don't know what it is, but the, the combined all these things along with a lot of other things I talk about is why customer service sucks. We focus very heavily in the first half about employee experience and how that generates the customer experience um, that your customers have and why that sucks, why human resources really needs uh, transformation and reformation. I focus a lot on that. So it's just packed with all kinds of little, you know, gold nuggets and fun facts and, and science data and personal stories. And I'm, I'm really proud of the work and I'm, I'm happy to see that it's resonated with a lot of people. It certainly has, Brian. And thanks for sharing uh, just a, a small uh, amount of what you've got in your book. And I, the, it begs the question though, Brian, is how did we get here? Do companies intentionally do this? Do they simply, are they, sorry to say it so bluntly, but are they ignorant of the customer? How do you think from the work that you've done in writing the book that companies get there and don't seem to be able to realize that they're delivering customer service that sucks? That's a great question. Bad service has been around since the days of Adam and Eve. It's, <laughs> it's, it's just a fact. I actually wrote about in the introduction a uh, true story of a scroll that was found. I believe it was by the British Museum, or it's now, or me, it's now on display in the British Museum. But it was an ancient Babylonian uh, text <clears throat> about a merchant named. I don't know if I'm pronouncing this right, but I think it was Nani and a shop owner named, uh, gosh, I don't know, uh, a, a, a Nasir or something like that. <clears throat> but it's a little clay tablet that they found and they 
found an Assyri uh, Assyriologist who translates ancient Assyrian Babylonian documents. <clears throat> and I guess they were having a dispute. And it's, it's really amazing to see that this was one of the very first, I guess, social media posts ever recorded in you know, <laughs> history. But Nani writes the following. He said, what do you take me for that you treat somebody like me with such contempt? Is there anyone, is there anyone among the merchants who trade with you who has treated me in such a way. Take cognizance that from now on, I will not accept here any copper or ore or steel from you that is not of the finest quality. I shall from now on select and take the uh, ignits individually in my own yard and I shall exercise against you my right of rejection because you've treated me with such contempt. And so, yeah, it's been around for a long time. Now, how did we get there in the modern age? It's everything you've said, Bob. It is, quite frankly, companies are cheap. They do not have customer-centric uh, cultures. Customers are not at the heart of their core business model. They have a real lack of training. They just want churn and burn employees, get someone in the quickest, train them the fastest, get them on the floor and get them punch in a register and, and you know bring in money in. Um, and then I think it's finally just a, I don't think it's the most important, but it definitely is an aspect is just us as a society, our values have sadly shifted away from treating people right. It's now sadly a society of what's in it for me. What can I get out of this? Um, a very entitled society of I deserve certain things just because I'm here at this particular time. I think those are all a combination of factors that contributes to the bad city customer service. Now that doesn't mean that companies have not found a way to push through this. Zappos has done it. Disney has been doing it for 60 plus years. Ritz-Carlton has been doing it for 50 plus years. Nordstrom has been doing it for, I think, over 50 years. There are ways of pushing through and there are ways, and there's, there's many other companies that do a great job at this, but they were also doing it a, a long time ago. They've been doing it for a long time and they have, you know, this isn't their first rodeo. They know how to push through and they know how to account for those changes. But I think, Bob, it's a combination of all those things. Again, uh, they're cheap. They don't have customer-centric cultures. They don't put customers at the center, their, at the heart of their core values. They have a complete lack of training. And then finally, just societal norms have really changed. Fascinating comments, Brian. And, and I, I'm struck by the comment you made at the beginning when I asked about your career path and you talked about it's in your DNA. I think for the companies you mentioned that are doing it, the Zappos, the Nordstrom's, Disney's of the world, it's in their DNA. It's it's part yes. of their culture, right? And they, they couldn't think about doing it any other way than that. Yeah. I mean, Herb Schultze of Ritz-Carlton, it was in his DNA. Disney, Mr. Walt Disney and Roy Disney, they literally walked and talked and breathed guest experience. John Nordstrom lived and breathed it. Tony Heisch lived and breathed it. Uh, may he rest in peace. So yeah, 
it has to be at your core. It has to be at the center of everything you do. It has to be an anticipatory model. Your company has to exist on the idea of what would this be like for my customer if I was the customer? You need to, as Gordon Ramsay always says, when was the last time you stepped into the shoes of your customer and experienced things from their perspective? And when you have this anticipatory model, you can really, uh, you can really have your eyes opened and you really begin to see things from their perspective and be like, yeah, this is a broken process or this is a stupid rule or this is something that we need to fix right away. But when you are a senior executive who quite frankly doesn't know, you know the difference between you know, your rear end and a hole in the ground, but you're the one dictating what you think your customers should be experiencing versus listening to what they want, that's when you really dive into problems quickly. No, no question about that. And, and um, some, some very wise words. So Brian, where do we go from here? What's the future hold for customer service um, from your perspective? Mm. I wish I had a magic wand, Bob, it can just change time and space and, you know, change a lot of things. There's going to be, I think, there's going to be those companies that are too big to fail, that will never go out of business, no matter how much we hold them accountable, no matter how much we complain, no matter how much we take our business somewhere else, there's always going to be those companies that are too big to fail. But for the vast majority of companies, I think that they're going to hit rock bottom if they continue on the path that they're on. And that is really going to force them to either take a hard look at themselves or they're gonna sadly go out of business. And when they do hit rock bottom, they need to make those decisions and ask themselves, are we happy with the way things are or do we need to change in order to do better? And hopefully they will see the latter and they will want to transform and revolutionize their processes to make a purely guest or customer centric experience to bring back their business. I do see sadly automation probably taking over the vast majority of customer service roles. Um, there will always be that human element though. Humans crave human interaction. Maslow confirmed that in his hierarchy of basic human needs is we need connection and communication with each other. So that's never going to go away thankfully, but it's how we are now interacting with fellow humans is what we have got to concentrate on. Um, in my first book called The Customer Service Revolution, one of the principles that I write about, I call it customer service and country music. Now, why did I do that? Well, I grew up in Tennessee, so of course I love country music, um, but I love the old school stuff. I don't love this new stuff you call country. I don't think it's country at all. In fact, what I, what I specifically said in the book was um, country music today is kind of like when we were kids and we wanted to make breakfast in bed for our parents, but we had no idea what we were doing. And so we just took a little bit of this and a little bit of that and threw it in a pan 
and out came this really disgusting concoction. And now that's called country music. Well, I said, customer service isn't too far off. We put a little bit, we try a little bit of this, try a little bit of that, throw it together, and then it comes out of a disgusting concoction and we call that customer service. But old country, just like old traditional customer service, was simple, genuine, and to the point. The great country music uh, songwriter Howard Hevlin said that, quote, country music consists of three chords and the truth. That's all it is. Why can't customer service be that simple? Mm. Why can't it be genuine service delivered with a smile, appreciating people and thanking them for their business and inviting them to come back? Aren't those the basic values, Bob, that we learned you and I watching Mr. Rogers' Neighborhood? <laughs> Indeed say, they are. To say please and thank you, to be kind, to treat people with respect. Those are basic values that sadly now are revolutionary. Those are revolutionary. I found a recent survey that found 77% of customers have never heard thank you when interacting with a business. 77%. Oh my gosh, Brian. So <laughs> it's, it's, it, this is why customer service sucks is because we had just drifted so far away from the very basics. You, okay, metrics are great. Metrics and AI and, and data, those are great tools to gauge customer experience. AI provides a wonderful service. I will be the first to admit that I have sat in my pajamas and ordered something off of Amazon and it's delivered to me probably that same day. It's a great convenience and it, and it has its time and place. It does. I don't want to be anti-tech or anti-metric, but metrics only tell you so much of a story. AI only gets you so far. When it really gets down to it, it needs to go back to what customer service used to be. Three chords and the truth. Simplicity. Saying, please, thank you. Welcoming your customer with a smile. Genuinely serving them forming a relationship with them and inviting them to come back. And I will close, I guess, with this, Bob, is I would encourage everybody listening to, if you are a business owner, adapt this mindset. When your customers come in, they are not your customers. Don't think of them as your customers. Think of them as your guestimers. They are your invited guests. When we have a guest over to our home, any of us, we cook our best meals, we clean our house a little bit more, we put out nice china, we serve our guests' favorite drinks, we want them to feel like they are welcome. So we go a little bit above and beyond. That's how you should think of every guestimer who interacts with you. You are not my customer, you are my guest, and you are welcome here. And I'm gonna put out my very best to let you know that you are welcome, and you are not just welcome one time, you are welcome to come back again and again and again and spend your money with me. And you are more than welcome to invite your friends and family because they will be welcome customers here too. And I will serve you, I will say please and thank you, and I will genuinely 
serve you because it is my pleasure to do so because you had a choice today. You could have gone to any other business, but you chose mine. And so I want to reciprocate by saying please and thank you and genuinely showing you that you matter to me. And I think if we just got back to those simple basic principles, podcasts like this wouldn't exist. Books like mine wouldn't need to be written and social media would probably be a much happier place to be on because the reviews would be great. Companies would be thriving. I think the world would be better. If we really do want to change the world and make it a better place, Bob, I really think that we can begin with how we treat customers. And it's as simple as that. Brian, uh, those are very wise words. And uh, I would like nothing more uh, than you suggested to not be doing podcasts and writing books um, so that so that this would these values would be incorporated in every organization that is serving customers. We really appreciate, uh, Brian, you joining us today. Uh, some great words of wisdom for our listeners. And I would encourage you listeners to um, check out Brian's book. And uh, I think you'll find some real great nuggets in that book. Brian, we appreciate your time today. Thank you, Bob. It's been my pleasure. Thank you so much. This has been another episode of All Things Considered CX. Listeners, if you've enjoyed this episode, please stay tuned for more as well as share with your networks the All Things Considered podcast, a, excuse me, All Things Considered CX podcast, a part of the CXFM radio podcast network brought to you by Innovative CX Solutions. Thank you. Thanks for listening to this episode of All Things Considered CX. If you enjoyed this episode, please share it with your colleagues. Subscribe to our show, Follow me on LinkedIn and visit my website at InnovativeCX.com for more insights on creating better experiences. Thanks for joining us for this session of CX of M Radio. Be sure to rate, review, and subscribe to the show and visit CXofM.org for more resources.